0: Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at Noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866 609 all right, and good morning. And this is episode number 42 of the all new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, December 9th. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. And we're blessed to have wonderful advertisers like RedRiverYourWay.com. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button, guide you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live all over the USA, red river, your You'll be glad you did. All right. That having been said, man, there is so much stuff to talk about this morning. I was just watching, um, on the news. Hey, by the way, Brian, can you come in here for a second? I just watched on the news a little bit ago. They were, uh, They're doing a little press conference there with George Gascon, the George Soros-bought-and-sold DA in Los Angeles, and they're asking about all these smash-and-grabs, these smash-and-grab robberies, and to what extent do your policies uh, play into that? And he's like, oh, nothing, nothing at all. And you're like, come on, man. Give me a break. Now, the other thing, Brian, I forgot to mention, uh, usually we make sure uh, that the washed-up DJ impersonating a talk show host actually brings his yeti in here with the with the ice water in it and I totally forgot about that. Totally yeah. forgot about it. So if you can find that somewhere, that'd be great. So so yeah, this DA who declines to prosecute, declines to prosecute um, violent offenders, lets them out on low to no bail. Yeah, he gets a question from a a reporter doing uh yeah, that's last night's but but that's that's a good good start. Thank you. Um does, he gets a question from a reporter doing a, a random act of journalism as, actually asking, you know, your your policies there uh are they leading to this smash and grab stuff? No. No, nothing, 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 nothing like that. No, not, not at all. Not at all. Now, one of the reasons I bring this up is because we've got audio. We've got audio from Maryland. Same thing, same thing going on over there. Let me, uh, let me play this for you. TV station out of uh, Baltimore, WBAL-TV. These guys just, uh, I guess they backed the truck up in in the middle of the night. Well, I'll I'll play it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you hear it. Here we go.
1: It's happened again. Another damaged convenience store and a stolen ATM. They backed into the pump from that middle aisle. They backed right into it. Hit the ATM. This was on the floor. Everything was on the floor. Pick up the ATM and they ran towards Baltimore City. Aperva Patel is the owner of the Exxon station at Montgomery Road and US-1 in Elkridge. He said the theft unfolded just before 3.30 Wednesday morning and was over in less than a couple of minutes. Two men pull up in a stolen white van, canvas the area, then back it into the store. They get out, pull the ATM into the van, and drive away. Patel told us he's all too familiar with the ATM smash and grabs lately and thought he was prepared. It was bolted. It was bolted. It was bolted. Both of these machines were bolted on the floor. There's not much more you can There's do. Right? nothing else you can do.
0: Nothing you could do because George Soros pays a lot of money to get these uh, prosecutors elected in these Democrat cities. And, you know, you hear horrible stories in Chicago and Philadelphia of them not even indicting people. Who they have the goods on that shot other people. And you're thinking, now, why is this? Why is this? Looks like it's, it's intentional, doesn't it? It definitely looks like it's intentional. I mean, I'll give another example, kind of a, along the same lines. Came across this uh, thread. Just before we went on the air, it just just dropped over on Twitter. All media have smothered the Waukesha attack and its aftermath. No profiles of the murdered. No updates on the injured. No expose on the murderer. No interviews with his family and those that knew him. No follow-up on impacts on the community or PTSD of survivors and first responders, no interviews of the accused or his lawyers, no deep dive on his influences, no investigative reporting on the impact of bail reform on the event, no reporting on the accused's possible ties to radicals, no investigation as to whether the attack was racially, religiously, or politically motivated, nothing, nothing at all. If all media, even allegedly conservative media, will not cover this terror attack, what are citizens to do? Again, we're talking about the Waukesha Christmas Parade Massacre. Waukesha, Wisconsin. He says, how can citizens' concerns be addressed? How can they advocate for improvements in policing? The entire horrible incident has been disappeared. And if the media will not cover this important story, You can be assured politicians will likewise ignore it. Even Republican U.S. Senator Ron Johnson has more or less told people to stop talking about it and reporting on it. Senator Johnson says he doesn't want the crime politicized. Well, what if the crime was politically or racially motivated? What if dangerous new policing standards and bail reform contributed to the attack? What if state and federal governments' refusal to confront, sometimes even collaborate with violent radical groups, is to blame? If the media and government at all levels, even alleged conservatives, refuse to talk about a mass terror attack, we can all see with our own eyes if it isn't allowed to be discussed, let alone addressed. Don't be shocked if the normies turn to other sources and pursue other stories. Government officials and the media are creating the very thing they say they fear the most by refusing to even allow discussion what, about what happened in Waukesha. Hat tip to uh, somebody who goes by Pempernell 13. Some of these uh, Twitter accounts are uh, anonymous. But uh, that's true, you know. That's true. And you and I both know if that had been a case of a white guy driving into a Christmas parade of predominantly black folks, you'd never hear the end of it. And why is that? Because the media wants us set against each other over our ethnicity. The media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, they want strife between people of different ethnicities. They don't want us to look at each other as individuals they want us to be racists don't fall for it we're all related you go back far enough and even somebody whose ethnicity makes him or her look very different from you you go back far enough we're all cousins might be 15th cousins might be 30th cousins but you go back far enough we're all related we are all related. Just so you know. Just so you know. Now, this, I, I found this interesting. This is from uh, something called inverse.com, which has a blue check by it on Twitter. And inverse.com, of course, is a. Uh, Well, it's a science website. It's a science website, and they look into all kinds of stuff. And they got all kinds of long reads. Anyway, they got a link to a new article. A gigantic gas planet was discovered in a double star system 325 light years away that challenges scientists' ideas about how planets form. How about that? Marcus Johnson and his team used the Sphere exoplanet imager on the European Southern Observatory's very large telescope to survey the star system. The two stars should be too big and too hot to have a giant planet. And they go on and on and on and on and on about their new discovery challenging scientists' ideas about how planets form. That's kind of a big deal if you're into science. And the great John Ziegler, senior columnist over at Mediate, says, Remember this when they tell you to shut up because the science is settled. Oh! No, the science is settled. You're going to get settled science. Uh I'm thinking maybe the idea about how planets are formed that might be a bigger deal than uh you know whether uh I should be forced to wear a mask in the produce section at the Kroger, but call me crazy. I've been called worse, and I deserved it. All right, let's look at this: Occupy Democrats a blue check profile on Twitter with over 200,000 followers. They say they're a grassroots political organization dedicated to helping progressive Democrats. And um, they're out there now saying, breaking, Illinois introduces a bill to force unvaccinated residents to pay out-of-pocket for their hospital treatment if they catch COVID, saying that they must assume the risk and take responsibility for their carelessness. Retweet this if you think that your state should do the same. And then they say, if you're a Democrat who supports a bill that Illinois just filed to force the unvaccinated to pay for their own hospitalization costs out of pocket, and are looking for the latest breaking news, please retweet, follow our account to immediately be notified when we tweet. Okay, so... So they're trying to get this bill passed through the Illinois, Illinois State Legislature, which would prohibit your insurance company from covering costs related to COVID if you get it and you're unvaccinated. All right? Understand? So, The great Nick Searcy says, Democrats will build concentration camps very soon if we do not stop them. Oh, yeah. You saw what they did in Australia, right? You saw what they did in Australia, right? The Hill.com, Justin, Pfizer CEO, says fourth vaccine shot may eventually be needed. Really? Again, the great Nick Searcy, international film and TV star, says, What will it take for you to wake up, pro vaxxers? I don't know, Holmes. I can't even call it, fam. I don't know. Now, there's another Twitter profile called An Open Secret. And they exist for one purpose and one purpose only, to get the word out about child sex trafficking and and, and abuse of children. And they got a film that Hollywood doesn't want you to see, all about Hollywood pedophiles and convicted sex offenders. It's called An Open Secret. And if you go to uh, Twitter and type in An Open Secret, You'll link to the film. Anyway, what they're saying now is Did you know the Biden administration has proposed rolling back a Trump era effort to collect data on teacher on student child sex abuse? That's right. The Office for Civil Rights and Department of Education will no longer ask school districts questions about teacher on student sexual assault allegations. Department of Education will not ask school officials to report allegations that resulted in the resignation or retirement of the accused. U.S. Department of Education also will not ask school officials to report pending cases. They will also not ask school officials to report cases in which a school staffer was reassigned to another district school prior to the conclusion of an investigation. Oh, that's kind of like how... uh, Cardinal Law used to reassign the the priests up there in uh, New England for decades. Anyway, data suggesting systemic nonchalance about child sexual abuse in public schools will be quite politically inconvenient for teachers' unions. Now, the data won't be collected. Biden's Education Department wants to roll back Effort to catalog teacher sex crimes. Critics say the move is an attempt to appease teachers' unions. Well, I'm sure it is. And they link to an article that came out over the Thanksgiving holidays, the Washington Free Beacon. Yeah, I'm sure it is. An effort to appease teachers' unions. Interesting. And talk about the swamp. talk about the swamp so i got a little bit more audio i want to play for you us congressman matt gates out of pensacola florida he was one of four members of the us house of representatives that actually, their press conference a couple of days ago, we played a lot of it yesterday, demanding some answers, demanding some accountability for the abuse of the January 6th protesters, some of whom have been beaten by jail guards, but they've been. Uh, Many of them have been kept without bail. They don't even have uh, trial dates. They're charged with, many of them, nonviolent misdemeanors and have been held without bail in horrendous conditions for 11 months. Paul Gosar was another U.S. representative at that, speaking at that press conference a couple of days ago. And I guess uh, Matt Gates has some kind of a some kind of video podcast he does over in Rumble. Here's a couple of minutes of Matt Gates and Paul Gosar talking about what Republicans should be doing in Congress. I hope you will find it illustrative and instructive
2: the uh, role of oversight will be a very important one Uh, you've got a strong background in oversight serving on the oversight committee previously what is the most important investigation that you think republicans need to advance into the biden administration
3: i think it's uh, this whole uh, legal cover-up of the biden scam I think the that personal draft. Absolutely. And I think that uh, how the FBI covered it up, how the FBI squelched it during the election of 2020 and making people be held accountable.
2: Why would you, the FBI go to such lengths to protect the Bidens? Is, is that
3: your, your assertion? Yeah, it is. You know, so we just had a president, President Trump, that did everything he said he was going to do. Isn't that novel, mm-hmm. you know? And now we've got a guy that will lie every t- time he gets a chance. Mm-hmm. And the, the only enablers are the law. You know, I, and an oversight, you bring it up. I've been here we're Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. Benghazi, the IRS, the oversight, uh, the- uh, You questioned people during the Russia hoax. Absolutely. On the oversight. And, and, and tell me where justification came for the application of the letter of the law. Nobody. And America sees that. They see one law for me, a different law for thee.
2: And what do you think is that divide? I mean, you know, Biden and Trump were both president, So it's not just that the FBI would cover for any president because your assertion seems to be that they targeted Trump. And we Mm -hmm. obviously saw that in the evidence and that they're covering for Biden family personal
3: graft. Yeah, well, this gets to the bureaucracy. You know, this has been a self feeding machine here in Washington D.C. This bubble they talk about, the swamp, the, the sewer, as I call it, and and it breeds upon itself. You know, it's a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's not about the representation of the people. It's not that's the re- what I worry about, Paul. I
2: worry that we could win the majority. Joe Biden could be president, mm-hmm. and we could have a docile, you know, uh, compromising leadership willing to cut deals and just allow Joe Biden to go about his merry way, whereas my perspective is that we need tough, effective, fair, but rigorous and dogged oversight. That dog with a bone on a lot of these different things that the Biden administration is doing
0: now he's right but this is the kind of talk that is anathema to mainstream swampy rhinos they don't want you talking about um What's a good way to put it? Don't what you're talking about getting somebody out of Republican leadership. Don't what you're talking about primarying anybody. See what I'm saying? So, so yeah. That's when I ran into uh, Tuesday night when I spoke to the Pulaski County, Arkansas Republican Party, and I started telling the truth about the U.S. representative from Central Arkansas, French Hill, and how he stabbed us in the back and stabbed Trump in the back repeatedly. The chairwoman of the uh, Pulaski County Republican Party tried to get me to stop, tried to censor me. So it, it happens locally, locally, In our states, it happens in D.C. I'm just looking at a thing now. Um, Since we do a national podcast, I very rarely get into Arkansas politics, even though for the time being I'm still actually in Arkansas. Um, But I think this is illustrative of what's going on across the country. So the Arkansas State Legislature is in session and some of the conservatives in the Republican Party wanted to push bills that would stop critical race theory, bills that would uh, put in a Texas-style abortion law in Arkansas. And State Senator Trent Garner is on, Twitter this morning saying the Senate voted to quit today without hearing bills that would stop critical race theory or put in a Texas style abortion law in Arkansas. He says, I'm disappointed, but not surprised. And he has the list here of people in the Senate who voted to adjourn and people who voted not to adjourn. And, It's uh, it's infuriating the people who call themselves Republicans. Might even be people who call themselves Christians. Voted, no, we don't want to stop our children from being indoctrinated into this racist, critical race theory. No, we don't want to stop our children from being aborted, just let it go, let it go. Now, you know, the Democrats are going to say, no, we don't want to bring up these bills. The party of abortion, they're not going to want to protect children from being indoctrinated into racism with critical race theory. Uh, They're not going to want to protect children in the womb. But there's no excuse for Republicans like Cecile Bledsoe Jonathan Dismang, uh, Jane English, uh, Jimmy Hickey, Ricky Hill, Missy Irvin, Terry Rice, Bill Sample, James Sturch. There's no excuse for those people to say, hey, I'm a conservative Republican, and then... When you actually have the chance to try to stop this racist critical race theory in public schools, you actually have a chance to try to outlaw abortions after six weeks. No, we don't want to mess with that. I'm not really conservative. It's not just in Arkansas. It's not just in Arkansas. As one of the commenters here says, Deep red supermajority Republican state and some of these state senators don't want to fight for their base. I hope they get replaced with conservative fighters like the few good ones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you do see it. You do see it. And not just in Arkansas. Arkansas not just in Arkansas. Anyway, um I want to uh we got a new bombshell out about what happened January 6th. That that I I want to address here in in just a moment. First, let me ask you something though. If you're like me and you want to fight back against the government cram down like Obamacare, you remember 2009, Nancy Pelosi saying, uh, well, you're, you're just going to have to vote for it uh, so you can find out what's in it. And they did. And they did. A lot of her fellow Democrats were concerned Um, that they weren't going to win re-election the next year, and she said, don't worry about it. It's worth it because the Republicans won't undo it. We're making permanent structural change that the Republicans will not undo when they get back in control, and then when we get back in control, we'll keep pushing further to the left, and they have. So a lot of people don't know how to deal with Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act. Are are you like me? Did it make your health care actually more expensive, not more affordable? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answer yes to any of those questions, you need to get a hold of my friend Art Wilborn. His website, myfamilyhealthplan.com you click on myfamilyhealthplan.com the first thing you see affordable plans save 30 to 50% on premiums personalized health coverage low to no deductible and no copays at all that sounds like a deal to you there's a button right there schedule call now schedule call now and not only not only is myfamilyhealthplan.com A wonderful alternative to Obamacare There's another way it's a 180 from Obamacare. It doesn't force you to cover stuff like abortion that would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. And it gets better. You go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you book a free consultation, and my buddy Art Wilborn makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Again, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, and no copays. It's called myfamilyhealthplan.com. Save money on your insurance. Myfamilyhealthplan.com. You'll be glad you did. You will be so glad you did. All right. Now, that having been said, Um, Julie Kelly, the great Julie Kelly, one of the best political commentators out there. She's a senior contributor to American greatness. She just dropped a new article called January 6th police beating victim speaks quote, I could have died unquote. the first of a two-part interview with Victoria White, a Trump supporter who was beaten by police inside the tunnel on the Lower West Terrace of the Capitol building on January 6th. She said the first time Victoria White visited the nation's Capitol was on January 6, 2021. Listening to President Trump's speech with her teen daughter and three friends alongside her, would be a a once-in-a-lifetime experience, White thought. Instead, the day turned into a personal nightmare with real-time flashbacks to her years as a victim of domestic abuse. Victoria White, a mother of four, recounted to me this week by phone in horrifying and heartbreaking detail how at least two D.C. metropolitan police officers viciously assaulted her Inside a tunnel on the Lower West Terrace of the Capitol building on January 6th, fierce battles between police and protesters took place inside the tunnel, which leads to a set of doors that allows access to the building. It is the location where Roseanne Boyland, a 34-year-old Trump supporter from the state of Georgia, died. Amid video evidence, court filings, and first hand witness accounts, new questions have emerged about the exact cause of Roseanne Boyland's death. A report issued by the DC Medical Examiner's Office in April claimed that Boyland, a recovering addict, died of an accidental drug overdose. But others in the vicinity of Roseanne Boyland, when she lost consciousness, insist her death was caused by law enforcement officers who deployed a toxic chemical spray and in some cases used metal sticks, riot shields, and their own fists against Trump supporters. 39-year-old Victoria White found herself in the tunnel near Boyland, and her harrowing account describes nothing short of criminal misconduct by still unidentified members of the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department. Furthermore, Victoria White's experience bolsters allegations that police contributed or directly caused the death of a second unarmed female Trump supporter on January 6th. Like hundreds of thousands of Americans, Victoria White traveled from her home to Washington, D.C. to hear President Trump's speech and protest the results of the rigged 2020 presidential election. Yes, I said it, and I mean it. I'm so thankful to be able to talk about the fact that the election was stolen. Anyway, the article continues. Victoria White is a resident of Rochester, Minnesota. She, her daughter, and friends took turns driving so they would arrive in Washington on time. They stayed at the home of one of her friend's parents in suburban Virginia. The group took a 5 a.m. train from Virginia and arrived at the Save America rally at the Ellipse. Around 7 a.m. to get good seats, people started lining up outside the staged area near the White House in the early hours of January 6th. Victoria White's group was seated behind the VIP section. In a text message, Victoria White said, The atmosphere was amazing. It was the happiest experience ever. I specifically remembered before anyone spoke, the VIP people were all looking behind them and filming and taking pictures of the crowd of Americans and their flags. She said everyone at the rally had this feeling of peace and joy after a year of lockdowns and patriots being criticized by the media. Victoria White and her group were among the last to leave Trump's hour-long speech, which began around noon. She said, we were in no rush. We were walking casually toward Capitol Hill, just looking around at all the buildings, thinking, wow, we're here. I had no idea what would take place. One friend, dressed in high heels, decided not to continue the nearly two-mile walk to the Capitol grounds. Victoria White's daughter and two friends stayed back so, White and her other friend continued walking eastward. Victoria White said there was no police presence, confirming what most protesters describe as non existent security throughout the Capitol that day. She said streets leading to the Capitol were not closed to pedestrians. So, along with tens of thousands of Trump speechgoers, Victoria White and her friend ended up on the west side of the Capitol grounds. Temporary fencing, unbeknownst to those just arriving, had been torn down around 1 p.m. at the same time the first official breach of a thin police line on that side occurred. But anyone who attended Trump's speech, which didn't end until 10 minutes later, one and took the 30-minute or so walk toward Capitol Hill, was unaware that the grounds and the building itself officially had been closed to the public, likely by design. She said tons of people were there. You couldn't tell if you were standing on grass or cement. It was so packed. People were singing and waving flags. So they approached the side of the Capitol building where staging for Joe Biden's inauguration had been erected. People were climbing on the scaffolding, which looked to Victoria White like it was about to collapse. She said, my brothers are in construction, so I knew the scaffolding wasn't designed to hold that many people. Fearful the structure would fall on top of her, Victoria White and her friend inched their way in the crowd closer to the building. White then saw a man standing on a ledge near a window, As he attempted to break the glass, she began screaming at him. She said, I yelled, we don't do that, bleep. And I grabbed his backpack to pull him off. By the way, Victoria White's account is confirmed by video and the government's criminal complaint against her. The site of that confrontation is directly to the left of the Lower West Terrace Tunnel. So, looking for a way out of the dense crowd, she had lost sight of her friend at this point. Victoria White pushed her way toward the tunnel shortly after 4 p.m. and squeezed into the front opening. That's when she encountered a horror scene. She said, grown men were crying, from being doused repeatedly with a noxious chemical gas inside the tight confines of the tunnel. People were being crushed. Cops clad in full riot gear had filled the tunnel with the gas, causing victims to vomit and pass out. She said, we were trapped. Police were pushing us out Using riot shields and people outside were pushing in. I kept falling. A cop sprayed mace directly into my face. Then she said she felt the first blow. It came out of nowhere, White told me. With her back to the line of officers, White tried to stand up but repeated blows to her head by an officer in a white shirt, presumably a D.C. Metro police supervisor, prevented her from regaining her footing. White told me slowly, because of my history, I started having flashbacks. She was choking up, as she recalled what happened. She said, I felt like I had felt all those years, the times when I would get hit. She remained crouched down as blow after blow, first by a stick, then someone's fist landed on the top of her head and face. At one point, she confronted the abusive officer, reminding him, took an oath to the Constitution. Her remarks enraged the officer. He called her a bitch and continued the pummeling. After several minutes, Victoria White was brought out of the tunnel by another officer. Her jacket, which she tied around her waist in the heated tunnel and contained her cell phone and money, was gone. So were her shoes. She was drenched in chemical spray. For months after the attack, Victoria White thought she had been hit about three times, either the effects of the suffocating chemical spray or several in, or survival instincts hardened after a decade of enduring domestic abuse seemingly anesthetized White from remembering all the brutal details. It wasn't until she finally viewed video evidence in June produced by the Justice Department, under discovery in her criminal case of Victoria White, Realize the extent of the violent, almost sadistic assault against her. She said, I was absolutely horrified to see myself get hit and start to fall. There were multiple officers hitting people. One officer in a white shirt focused solely on me. He kept bashing and hitting me over and over. Victoria White described how the officer changed his grip on the metal rod a device, a device intended to break glass in emergencies, not to be used against human beings, he changes his grip on the metal rod to exert, to exact more force. She said he begins to bash and poke me, then another officer takes my hair and shakes my head back and forth. As if that wasn't enough, The supervisor wearing the white shirt starts hitting her directly in the face. She said he takes his left hand, balls it up, and punches me in the face. She says, I finally put my hand on my head and tried to grab his stick to get him to stop. Watching the full video, Victoria White said, triggered almost a PTSD response. She said, I really started to struggle. I don't know if I can ever describe it. I was so overwhelmed. Now, Victoria White's account is vaguely referenced in the Justice Department's own charging documents. Investigators claimed officers tried to fend her off with a baton and it appears that she is attempting to grab a shield and use her hand to block the baton. Wow, the Justice Department's own charging documents. A motion filed last month by Joseph McBride, her new attorney, in the case of Ryan Nichols, another January 6th client of McBride's, provides more explicit details related to the attack on White. Attorney McBride viewed three hours of surveillance footage recorded by security cameras inside the tunnel on January 6th. That video remains under a protective order for now. They don't want anybody to see this now. According to Attorney McBride, the supervisor hit Victoria White at least 13 times with a metal stick and at least five times in her face with his fist. Attorney McBride wrote, the officer then spears and pokes White with his baton about the head, neck, and face so as to inflict maximum pain This happened as Victoria White tried to escape the tunnel numerous times. Another officer joined in and, quote, starts beating White in the head with his baton, landing 12 strikes in seven seconds, unquote. White's head was bleeding. She was covered in red welts. How she survived is anyone's guess. She told me it's a miracle. I could have died. Attorney McBride is petitioning the court to remove the protective order so the american people can see what happened inside the tunnel on january 6th the press coalition representing 16 major news corporations i mean including mainstream media has joined attorney mcbride's request to make the three-hour video public biden's justice department has until tomorrow to respond julie kelly concludes her her article here saying In part two of my interview with Victoria White, she explains how her torture at the hands of police did not end after she exited the tunnel and how her legal and personal nightmare continues to this day. Oh my goodness. Anybody speaking up for these people? Is, uh... I mean, Julie Kelly is. I'm talking about people in Congress. I don't know. You got Marjorie Taylor Greene out of Georgia and Paul Gosar out of Arizona and uh, Matt Gates out of Florida and Louie Gohmert out of Texas. Speaking up for some of these January 6th defendants in jail, I don't know if they're aware of the police beating people who weren't doing anything wrong I don't know what I do know is we have an awful lot awful lot of folks in uh in congress that aren't speaking up for anybody. Are not speaking up for anybody. That's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, Jim Nero over in the Podbean app, uh, listening live. says these are criminals in police uniforms. This is the police brutality that should be called out, yet the mainstream media is silent about it. That's true, but, Jim, I I do find this interesting. That 16 mainstream media organizations have joined with this attorney who's representing so many of these people, demanding that the Biden Justice Department release the video footage. That's shocking to me that the New York Times, Washington Post, NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, all say release the video footage. I don't think they know what they're asking for (laughs) Uh, because what I'm used to with mainstream media is wanting to suppress stuff like this, you know, like when CNN said the Waukesha Christmas massacre was caused by an SUV, you know. Anyway, uh, great, great uh, quote there from, uh, from Jim Nero, listening live on the Podbean app. Isaiah 520, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah, see, uh, Republican Party functionaries don't like it when you call out people that have R by their name. When you say that, uh, They deserve to be primaried, to lose their positions of power in either a state legislature or the U.S. Congress. They don't like that at all. Because they don't stand for what we stand for. Okay? Just letting you know. By the way, the governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, has signed a bill removing reading, writing, and arithmetic requirements for high school kids, she says, to help students of colors, to help students of color. So the Democrat governor of Oregon is a racist who thinks that black kids would have more difficulty with uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic than white kids. OregonLive.com Governor Kate Brown signed a law to allow Oregon students to graduate without proving they can write or do math. She doesn't want to talk about it. Because she's a racist and she wants people of color trapped in an endless cycle of Poverty and violence. That's my opinion. You're entitled to it. Let me, let me go back to Victoria White for a second. Let me go back to Victoria White for a second. Because somebody posted... The FBI criminal complaint against her, which doesn't describe any crimes, someone needs to step in to defend these people. They are being persecuted by the in the largest miscarriage of justice in my lifetime. Who will defend them? Well, um, Attorney Joseph McBride is defending Victoria White. So the FBI. Criminal complaint doesn't describe any crimes. Now, you know, it's 12 pages long. I can't read the whole thing. It's it's a PDF. So I, I don't... Uh, you know, I, I don't know how to uh, put it on a Facebook page or anything like that. But uh, it's remarkable, and God willing, when we get part two of Julie Kelly's interview with Victoria White, then we'll share that with you also. We'll share that with you also. This is interesting, uh, Kyle Kashuv. A young conservative commentator over there on the Twitter says, when you realize the feminist movement is a government scam so they can get the other half of the population working so they double the tax intake and raise your children by their standards. And raise your children by their standards. You know. I came across a YouTube video recently. One of my favorite speakers, a guy named Vody Bauckham Jr. And he had this quote. Had this quote out of the book of Luke. Jesus saying that uh, the student will always become like the teacher. And presenting a lot of other presenting a lot of other reasons that people of faith should not have their children. In public schools. Uh, it's, it's irrefutable. The presentation this guy gave is irrefutable. And it's it's not all that long. I think I'm going to share some of it with you because it just blew my mind. Vodi V as in victory, O-D-D-I-E, Bauckham Jr. If you've never heard of this guy, you need to hear some of what he has to say
4: here. We are losing somewhere between 70 and 88% of our children by the end of their freshman year in college. That's the children of evangelicals somewhere between 70 and 88% of them have nothing to do with spiritual things by the end of their freshman year in college. Now, let me give you the easy answer before we go into a more detailed answer. The easy answer is this, if we continue to send our children to Caesar for their education, we need to stop being surprised when they come home as Romans. Now, to see who controls the schools, control the world. Luke chapter 6 and verse 40. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. See, that's it. Right there.
0: Luke chapter 6, verse 40. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he's been fully trained, will be like his teacher. How have we ignored that all these years? Anyway, anyway, here's more from Vody
4: Bauckham. This is the New Testament version of Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. The, the, the New Testament version of that is right here in front of you. Luke chapter six and verse 40. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. It's simple, it, it makes sense. Whoever's your teacher is your discipler. You cannot separate education and discipleship Whoever is educating our children is discipling our children Which means whoever educates the majority of children is discipling the majority of children And if the pupil is not above his teacher and if everyone will ultimately be like his teacher You see the power of education from K through 12 Children spend 14,000 seat hours in school. Let me say that again. 14,000 seat hours in school. The average Christian family spends less than 30 minutes per week discussing spiritual matters. Parents who think that a few conversations centered around what did you learn today need to be honest about the usual answer to that question, which is nothing. I hear this all the time. Yes, I understand. And after they go through the regular, you know, rigorous morale of our schools are different. That's everybody, by the way. Doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter who they are, their schools are different. Every other school in the United States is having those issues, but our school is different. After we get past that, Here's the next thing, well, I send them there, but we make sure and talk through things when they come home. Really? Let's be honest. When they come home and you ask them what they learned so that you can talk through it, what's their response when you say, what'd you learn at school today? The response is, nothing. The fact of the matter is they don't know what they learned at school. They have no idea what's being shoved down their throat, it is their normal. They have no concept of anything else, so they don't know what to discuss. Currently, the curriculum in schools is controlled by the government and teachers unions. Who are we kidding? There's not enough time in the day to compete with the schools for the minds of our children. The Bible and education this is a text silent. Because for a long time, this has been our attitude on the issue. Our attitude on the issue is, hey, just leave me alone. You do what you feel led to do. I'll do what I feel led to do. Well, excuse me if I don't buy into that mysticism. I do what the Bible commands me to do. Okay? It's like saying, hey, there's a beautiful woman over there. I'm standing here with a married friend. It's a beautiful woman over there. She's giving us the eye. Hey, you do what you feel led to do. I do what I feel led to do. No, the Bible has spoken on the adultery issue. I believe the Bible has also spoken on the education issue. And for so long, we've treated this like some sort of mystical decision that parents have to make where we meditate, oh, until God zaps us with what we're to do with our children educationally. Now, before we look at all these, uh, let me admit something to you. The word school doesn't exist in any one of these. And there's a reason. The Bible knows nothing of such things. But let's look at what it says about the training of the mind. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That would be all the time. I had a, an administrator in a school system in Amarillo, Texas, Challenged me on this issue because she's committed to public school committed to government education as a Christian She's committed to it. We got to have it and our kids have got to be there And I'm this passage of scripture to which she responded. I always thought that meant non-school hours <laughs> Ma'am Where pray tell was Moses sending his kids to school?
0: By the way, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but um, if you came to the Doc Washer show not to be offended, you you really came to the wrong place. Here's more from Vody Baucom, Jr. The video entitled Why 88% of Christian Youth Are Lost.
4: Listen to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates when? Day and night. He will be like the tree, firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Romans 12.2, listen to this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Look at 2 Corinthians 10 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Is math a thought? Is science a thought? Is history a thought? Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the empty principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 6.20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith can we obey these principles without applying them to the way we educate our children how can we do that folks how can we look at these principles about the training of the mind and not apply them to the way that we educate our children i'm going to skip some of these and talk about early education you'll get some more of this as we look through this but listen to this government education was established around 1870 I'm surprised at how many people don't know this. Modeled after the Prussian format, rooted in secular humanism. It was opposed by American Christians for decades. First 50 years, the church fought tooth and nail against compulsory education and against government education. Fought it tooth and nail. They knew better. As late as 1900, still 2 thirds of all high school children were educated at home or the church as late as 1900, still two thirds. Listen to this, from Alexis de Tocqueville. As late in the 1830s, it was noted in America that education was everywhere in the hands of the Protestant clergy. Education is not mentioned in the United States Constitution. But guess what is? The 10th Amendment. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. What does that mean? Tell you what it means. The federal government has no constitutional jurisdiction over education.
5: The conspiracy theorists have been telling you that this was an- Wait,
4: I don't want a commercial, wait a second. People with a Christian worldview, 11 times less likely to condone adultery, 15 times less likely to believe homosexuality is acceptable, 18 times less likely to condone drunkenness, 31 times less likely to condone premarital cohabitation. And 100 times less likely to to endorse abortion. What are we always pounding the pulpit about? This list. Why are we always pounding the pulpit about this list? Because people don't have a Christian worldview. If they had a Christian worldview, we'd be pounding the pulpit about something else. But because 90% of the people who call themselves Christians don't have a Christian worldview, we have to constantly remind them to act like what they are not. Nehemiah Institute has been conducting the peers test for decades. It tests worldview. What does that test look like? Here, here's the, the, the breakdown of the scale of the peers test. Anything from 70 to 100 is called biblical theism. That's what they would expect Bible scholars and professors um, to score. Moderate Christian worldview, 30 to 69 range. That's what they would would expect mature Christians to score. You're a Christian, you have a Christian worldview, 30 to 69. Secular humanism, zero to 29. Socialism, anything below zero. So, what do their test results look like? Biblical scholars average 87.8, just where you would expect between the 70 to 100 range. Humanists average average 45, just where you would expect. Christian school faculty; these are folks who, who teach in in, in uh, your your average Christian school, high school. They average 52.9, again where you would expect them between that 30 and 69 range. Homeschool students average 48.6, just behind Christian school faculty. Christian students. In in, in Christian schools average 27.8, which is just below the moderate Christian worldview seeping into the secular human worldview. Now, what's the problem there? Here's the problem. It's not true with all Christian schools. it, it, It boggles my mind. Christian schools actually brag about the fact that they have certified teachers. Certified by whom? The state, Caesar. So Christian schools are out there going, hey, Caesar approves of our teachers. Christian students in public school averaged 7.9 on the Pierce test. The low end of secular humanism falling into Marxist socialism. I don't write the mail, I just deliver it. A couple of charts. Since 1988, 90% of Christian students who have taken the Pierce test have scored below the moderate Christian worldview level. 90%. 90%. The children most likely to remain in the faith of their parents, those educated at home. We're currently losing 75 to 88%, between 70 and 88% of young people by the end of their freshman year in college. Homeschool students remain in the faith of their fathers all the way through college, according to Neri, at a rate of 90 to 95%. Again, I don't write the mail, I just deliver it.
0: That was uh, Vody Bauckham Jr. And uh YouTube video is entitled Why 88% of Christian youth are, are lost. I remember when I used to do the uh, local radio talk show in Little Rock, Arkansas. There was a, a bill in the state legislature which some conservatives were trying to get into law that would have funded students instead of public schools, a school choice bill that would allow parents and students much greater freedom in determining what kind of education the parents wanted for the children, as opposed to being um, held hostage in these failing government schools. And I called out some of the uh, so-called Republicans who voted against the school choice bill. And I got a private message on Facebook from a fella who, uh, he and his wife, I guess, knew this legislator and his wife. And the legislator's wife had told him that if her husband had voted for the school choice bill, that could have wound up uh, hurting the athletic program there at the local high school. If enough people, enough students had left the local high school to go to Christian school or to be homeschooled or whatever. And I responded to this private message on Facebook something along the lines of, do you hear what you're saying? Do you hear what you're saying? You would rather have your children indoctrinated into a worldview that is anathema to everything you believe than endanger your precious high school athletic program. People, um, people have odd um, priorities in this life, you know? They have odd priorities. It's just amazing. And we wonder why people lie with impunity. We wonder why people have uh, no problem whatsoever lying through their teeth. We wonder why people have no problem whatsoever pretending that the emperor is wearing clothes. We wonder why people have no problem whatsoever pretending it's a good idea to force two-year-olds to wear masks when they know masks don't work. But why is that? Well, they're taught that there's no absolute truth, there's no absolute morality, and the ends justify the means. They're taught that we're animals, evolved from other animals, not that we're created by God and we're all, we all bear his image. So situational ethics reigns supreme. You can justify rationalize anything you want to, and then when somebody uses it against you, you cry foul and say that's not fair. Uh, not fair. Based on what standard? Where where'd you get that from? If you reject God's truth, but but but, but you say, hey, this is bad over here. Bad compared to what? Uh, Liz Harrington is spokesperson for former President Trump. She has a link to a news report from One American News this morning. Uh, From Madison, Wisconsin, public hearing on Wisconsin voter rolls is underway. And let's dip into that. This is less than a minute long.
1: Asking if there's somebody on the team to do a screen share so we can see the process. And finally, um, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein says, "You know, can you give us an API or anything similar so we can connect the software? So basically asking for an opportunity to have the actual WISFO data. He says that would be the holy grail, but I'm not expecting it. And as you can see, we've added in now US Digital Response. They're building this website. And Claire says, you know, I have to go into it and run the report every single night, but I'm not going to give you an API because I'm not comfortable with it. So Claire widow Vogue is providing this information every night. She's going to provide them. So they have a real-time system of absentee ballots, the United States Parcel Service when the ballots are coming in. They have a real-time system to determine when these ballots are coming in.
0: Okay, so Liz Harrington for President Trump says, ahead of the 2020 election, Wisconsin officials gave a left-wing operative the holy grail of the state's election system, giving them real-time access to track when absentee ballots are coming in. Well, now, that sounds problematic to me. That sounds problematic to me. Oh, but there's so much more. Uh, Christina Bob is a host of weekly briefing on One American News. U.S. Marine, lawyer, author. And she has a lot of takeaways from this uh, public hearing on Wisconsin voter rolls. Underway yesterday. So I want to share some of that with you. Milwaukee election officials assisted nonprofit by providing private voter data to Democrat Group to add voters directly to the Wisconsin voter roll and bypass the state. See, that's illegal. I'm pretty sure it is. Wisconsin had an active voter turnout of 93.7%. Okay, that never happens in in the real world. You'd be doing really good to get 60% if you're actually just counting people who actually vote. Wisconsin voter database padded voter registration numbers with precursor zeros which allows for manipulating voter registration. Evidence indicates multiple entities are creating registered voters, not just the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin voter roll has over 120,000 active voters who have been registered to vote for more than 100 years. Let me run that by you again. Wisconsin voter rolls has over 120,000 active voters who have been registered to vote for over, 120, uh, for over 100 years. The margin of victory is only 20,000. But over 120,000 active voters have been registered for more than 100 years. Wisconsin has 4.5 million residents over the age of 18. The Wisconsin Election Commission has more than 7 million voters on the roll. 157,000 voters in Wisconsin had the same voter registration number. Now, I would ask, I realize Wisconsin has a Democrat governor, but part of the problem here, one of the reasons Wisconsin, I'm just theorizing, Wisconsin has a Democrat governor is because perhaps of the last Republican governor, Scott Walker. Why didn't he clean up the voter rolls? in Wisconsin. If he cleaned up the voter rolls and only people actually eligible to vote, registered voters who actually are still alive, um, he probably would still be governor himself. You know, I don't understand things like this sometimes. I just... It boggles the mind. Now... Natalie Winters over the NationalPulse.com has a remarkable new article. The founder of the Center for Tech and Civic Life, a controversial election oversight group heavily backed by Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of this group, is a former fellow of the Chinese regime-funded Ash Center, which has also advised Chinese Communist Party officials sanctioned by the U.S. government for human rights abuses. Really? Yep. The Center for Tech and Civic Life used the hundreds of millions of dollars from the Facebook Founders Organization, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, to overrule local election officials and increase turnout almost exclusively in Democrat districts, proving the partisan conflict of interest, leaders from the Center for Tech and Civic Life overpowered and overruled local election authorities and through coercion accessed mail-in ballots ahead of the election. Do you know that? And they still tell us The election wasn't stolen. Everybody on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, tell you the election wasn't stolen. Forget about Brett Baer and Chris Wallace. You know their libs. Tucker Carlson even says Joe Biden won. So It doesn't matter how much evidence comes out. You don't hear Hannity talk about it, do you? I, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been able to watch or listen to him in a long time. He brings on these rhinos, pretends they're conservatives. He has a good guest. He doesn't listen to what they say. I just, I'm sorry, I can't. I just, I can't. No, no, look, there was a reason that when they put him up against me in local radio in Little Rock, he didn't even show up in the ratings. And it's certainly not because I'm a world-class talk show host, but (laughs) at least I try to listen to my callers and try to listen to my, my interview guests. And so maybe people in central Arkansas like that. Anyway, smoking gun election interference. Emails reveal Milwaukee officials giving Democrat operatives Funded by Mark Zuckerberg, direct access to Wisconsin's election database to active voters, absentee applications, ballots received, ballots rejected before and during the election. That's what came out yesterday at the public hearing on Wisconsin voter rolls. Hat tip to Liz Harrington. Thank you for putting that out there on Twitter. So, um. They're still going to tell you. The election wasn't stolen. They're still going to tell you. Who are you going to believe? Me or your lying eyes? But of course it was. Of course it was. World Medical Association chair... Demands national lockdowns, compulsory jabs, fears COVID variant as dangerous as Ebola. Really? The Omicron variant identified less than a week ago, which thus far has the symptoms of a mild cold and is only found in fully vaccinated people? Yeah, that one. On Saturday, Frank Ulrich Montgomery, chairman of the Global Physician Society of the World Medical Association, told German reporters he believes Omicron could become as dangerous as the Ebola virus. Montgomery said, and I quote, the fastest and best thing to do is contact restrictions. We must avoid any form of crowd in the coming weeks. We should therefore close the Christmas markets nationwide. I don't know, it just uh, kind of takes you back, doesn't it? Yeah, I did the voice for a reason. Time kind of takes you back 80 years, doesn't it? They have ways of making you sign the papers. A few years later, I was just following orders. Yeah. Kind of takes you back. Indeed it does. Have they let Laura Logan back on uh, Fox News yet? She's the one that uh, compared uh, Fauci to Dr. Mengele. So you can't tell too much truth on Fox News. Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. When Tucker Carlson did this great three-part series over on Fox Nation a few weeks ago, Patriot Purge, about what really happened on January 6th, uh, mediaite reported Brett Baer and Chris Wallace went all the way to the CEO, all the way to the top, to complain about it. So... I mean, he can't really allude to the fact that the election was stolen. Y'all pray for Tucker Carlson. I'm sure he wants to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But they don't want the whole truth over Fox News. They just don't. So, I mention that every once in a while. Speaking of Fox New York Post reporting this morning, the arsonist who allegedly torched the Fox News Christmas tree was freed after his arraignment Wednesday night because his charges were not eligible for bail under new liberal reform laws in New York City. 49-year-old Craig Tamanaha says, I didn't do it. That's what he claimed to reporters outside Manhattan criminal court after being asked about the early morning arson that caused about a half million dollars in damage outside the midtown New York City building that houses Fox News, Wall Street Journal and New York Post. Tamanaha, a vagrant with a lengthy rap sheet who's known to the police also went on an incoherent rant outside the courthouse. He denied the arson and hurled obscenities at reporters Before asking them for a cigarette. Uh, As a great philosopher, Norm MacDonald would say, yeah, just let them go. You know, I got to tell you if you're in a big blue city, you need to get out of it because it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better. You know that. Now, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon is in the news. The uh, the January sixth fake commission uh, has him up on charges. I guess for ignoring their uh, their subpoena. But Bannon said yesterday that the elites want to limit the global population to just 500 million people and replace Homo sapiens with cyborgs. Um, I've been saying for a long time, for years now, that the elites think 8, eight billion people on this planet is too much and they think we'd be better off around 400 million, and they don't care how we get there and how quickly we get there, how many people would have to die. I've uh, never met Steve Bannon, never talked to Steve Bannon. Um, I'm aware he has a very popular video podcast. I've never had a, a chance to see it. But I find it interesting that he and I have come to the same conclusion. Well, I said 400 million. I don't remember where I got that number. He says 500 million, but it's the same idea. It's the same idea. So, you know, again, again, I go back to something I heard on the radio a few weeks ago. So I was in the shower, trying to get ready for the day, had the radio on, and there's this Christian financial guy who really does a good job actually, a guy named Dan Celia, financial issues with Dan Celia. And he's on local radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. And are you ever in the shower and you got the radio on and you hear kind of part of what's going on, but you don't hear the whole thing because you're trying to get the shampoo out of your ears and whatever. So anyway, unfortunately, that's what happened to me. Uh, Dan Celia has taken this caller who's talking about supply chain issues and talking about, um, you know, empty shelves in grocery stores and stuff. And he said the Biden administration is going to have to realize... That what they're doing isn't working, and it's making it's get, it's getting to the point here where they're going to have to change their policies to stop all this stuff from happening. and I wish I'd been listen, listening to the radio not in the shower because I didn't hear Dan Seely's response But the caller, unfortunately, obviously, but unfortunately, had not considered the possibility that biden's handlers want chaos that rising gas prices empty store shelves are not a bug as far as they're concerned they're a feature that had not occurred to the caller he uh, he hadn't even thought about that apparently he's just thinking well you know they're misguided okay they're misguided once they realize they're wrong then of course they'll uh, they'll mend their ways Of course, it's just that they're uh, deluded. It's not that they're doing this on purpose. Um. So I want to. I'm looking for the. Uh, I saved the little video. Something Biden said yesterday, and I'm scrolling down to find it because it was uh, it was just so so outrageous. Oh, but first he was in Missouri yesterday, and it was he looked like an elderly nursing home resident who's been guided along. A guy had his elbow. Um, it, was, uh, it was just pitiful. I wish you could see it, but you can, you can kind of get the, the point from hearing a little bit of it.
2: <laughs> Where am I? I'm right here, sir. I'm
3: right,
0: right here. There. Okay, here we go, boss. Let's go over here. Where am I? I'm right here. He was shuffling along. A guy was directing him by his elbow. But he said something outrageous yesterday. And you need to hear it. So, what I do is I keep these things, I bookmark these things on Twitter. And then I scroll back to find them. So, I'm scrolling back because I've got, you've got to hear. You've got to hear what Biden said yesterday about gas prices because this was just nuts. I mean he said some goofy things he said some goofy things yeah 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 yeah, okay, all right here we go let me let me. Bring this over so they don't just stop it on me. It's only twelve seconds long.
3: Nationally, prices are down seven cents a gallon, continuing to fall. We're making progress. We're going to keep at it to ensure the American people are paying their fair share for gas.
0: You know, I mean, gas prices doubled since Biden takes over. And he's released a lot of stuff out of Strategic Oil Preserve. So if we ever have a national emergency, sorry, it's not going to be there. And he says gas prices have come down seven cents. Seven cents. Big deal. But we're going to keep at it to ensure the American people are paying their fair share for gas. What, like Europe? Where it costs a lot more than it does here? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. We're going to keep
3: at it to ensure the American people are paying their fair share for gas.
0: Nobody in his right mind thinks this idiot got 81 million votes November last year. Nobody does. Nobody in his right mind believes that. The election was stolen. Period. You know that. You know that. So, um, a lot of people think that this uh, this Glenn Maxwell trial going on right before Christmas. She's going to be found guilty, and that's it. They're going to sweep everything else under the rug. They don't want the names on Epstein's little black book coming out. Um, Jim Comey's daughter is one of the lead prosecutors. They did not offer a deal to Glenn Maxwell in order to get her to name names. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? It did not offer her a deal in order to get her to name names. And there's a picture out there of Epstein and Glenn Maxwell standing in public somewhere, fully dressed, but looking kind of romantic. And he has his hand on her stomach. the allegation from one of their victims is that she was pregnant it's uh it's horrendous There are a lot of very well-known people who went with Jeffrey Epstein to Lolita Island, whatever the name of the island was, Lolita, Lolita Express, and they just don't want this coming out. You know what I'm saying, they just don't want this coming out. So don't be surprised because I mean, look, Kyle Rittenhouse, they covered the Kyle Rittenhouse trial live wall-to-wall on mainstream media, right? Now, I get it that um, that was a state proceeding and Glenn Maxwell is a federal proceeding and they don't tend to allow cameras inside a federal courtroom. But you would think this is such a big... uh, A big case you'd be getting more coverage out of it you know what I'm saying, but you don't you don't I follow it there's a guy uh Matthew Russell Lee over there on Twitter. his Twitter handle is Intercity press. And he's been doing a lot of great play-by-play stuff on this. He got a letter from a former police official investigating Epstein and Maxwell who was not subpoenaed to testify, who has not been contacted by the Southern District of New York U.S. Attorney's Office. But um, had a lot to say. Africa, Africa trip 2002, Bill Clinton and Kevin Spacey, you know, had a lot to say. But they don't want to hear from it. Wonder why that is. Wonder why that is. Now, we do have some breaking news from just a few minutes ago. Associated Press, reality TV's Josh Duggar, convicted of child porn possession. Former reality TV star Josh Duggar was immediately taken into custody Thursday morning after a federal jury convicted him of downloading and possessing child pornography. The jury in Fayetteville, Arkansas, about 140 miles northwest of Little Rock, found the 33-year-old Duggar guilty on one count each of receiving and possessing child pornography. He faces up to 20 years in prison, fines up to $250,000 for each count when he's sentenced. U.S. Attorney Clay Falks of Western District of Arkansas, which prosecuted the case, said, regardless of wealth, social status, or fame, our office will continue to seek out all individuals who seek to abuse children and victimize them through the downloading, possession, and sharing of child pornography. Now, that's interesting. It's an interesting um, counterpoint here to what's going on and what's not going on with Jeffrey Epstein and Glenn Maxwell. They found, what, over 200,000 images on... uh, Jeffrey Epstein's computers. They're allegations he had uh, closed-circuit security, closed security camera video in all of his residences, not just the, the townhouse in New York, not just the uh, ranch in New Mexico, but the, the islands down there in the Caribbean. He videotaped everybody and everything very credible allegations, that he sexually abused underage females. So don't you wish that the U.S. attorney in Southern District of New York would say the same thing the U.S. attorney of the Western District of Arkansas said? Regardless of wealth, social status, or fame, our office will continue to seek out all individuals who seek to abuse children and victimize them. But no. But no. No. Oh, and another thing that's, that's come out of uh, the uh, trial, the Epstein trial of Glenn Maxwell. When the FBI seized computers from Epstein's place when they uh, arrested him a couple of years ago, a lot of the computers already had FBI stuff on them, already, already been tagged by the FBI years earlier. And then give him back to Epstein after he got out of prison, obviously. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I, no, I just saw an interesting distinction there between uh, the Epstein case and the Josh Stucker case. But anyway, um, <clears throat> U.S. District Judge Timothy Brooks said sentencing will happen in about four months according to Fayetteville TV station KNWA. Justin Gelfand, one of Duggar's defense attorneys, said, we respect the jury's verdict and we look forward to continuing this fight on appeal. Duggar and his large Arkansas family starred on TLC's 19 Kids and Counting until the network canceled the show in 2015, following Uh, revelations that he had molested four of his sisters and a babysitter. Authorities began investigating the abuse in 2006 after receiving a tip from a family friend but concluded the statute limitations on any possible charge had expired at that point. So, anyway. um, The... um, The allegation is that the uh, the the video was that was uh, downloaded was just horrendous. pardon me and I don't want to go any further into that I mean it's it's all over the internet it's all over the internet I hope that what I'm seeing all over the place on social media is not true that the US Department of Justice is just going to wrap things up after a guilty verdict on Glenn Maxwell if indeed she's found guilty and act like there's nothing else to prosecute vis-a-vis Jeffrey Epstein because there's plenty. Now, speaking of child abuse, there's a video out there that has gone viral taken of kindergartners forced to eat lunch outside in 40-degree weather, sitting on buckets to social distance from their classmates at Capitol Hill Elementary School in Portland, Oregon. So, I mean, how could you allow something like that to happen to your children? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse. None whatsoever. Yeah. um, So the FBI uncovered 20,000 images from Epstein's mansion in Manhattan and did nothing about it. The FBI obtained Hunter's laptop from hell and did nothing about it. John D. over on Twitter says, why does the FBI protect high-profile pedophiles? And speaking of laptops they got, you don't even want to know. You... Don't even want to know what might be on Anthony Weiner's laptop that the NYPD didn't want to give up to the FBI because they didn't trust what they do with it. Uh, on the Josh Duggar thing, I got a comment here on the uh, the Podbean app. Somebody says. Dumb question, is Josh Duggar sufficiently competent to create a drive partition on a computer for the purpose of secretly collecting illegal pornography? That's not a noob task. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. A drive partition on a computer? I don't know what that means. Another dumb question, why wouldn't Josh Duggar just buy another cheap computer, something portable, like a laptop, and use that for storing his porn? I, 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 I don't know. I can't help you. Uh, and then another comment here, I accept that most crooks are dumb, but this is some colossal level dumb here begging belief as in, no, I don't believe it. Oh. So you think he's been framed? I I don't know, man. I can't call it, fam. I don't know. I mean, his, his attorney said we you know, respect the decision of the jury, but we're definitely going to appeal, so I don't know. But I don't have any idea what a drive partition on a computer is, so I'm not the most technologically inclined guy in the world. You know, for the record, in the interest of full disclosure, just so you know, all right, over at uh, realclearpolitics.com, there is a uh, an article that the great Molly Hemingway at the Federalist says, you got to look at this." And so I'm going to look at it. J. Peter Zane is an editor for Real Clear Investigations and a columnist for Real Clear Politics. And the article is entitled, Why the Russiagate Scandal Outranks the Rest. He says Russiagate is the biggest scandal in American history. Nothing comes close in size, scope, or harm to the republic that the years-long effort to cripple Donald Trump's presidency by claiming he conspired with an enemy state to steal the 2016 election and then do its bidding as commander-in-chief its notorious predecessors, the Lewinsky affair, Iran-Contra, Watergate, Teapot Dome, Credit Mobilier, the XYZ affair, all those predecessors involved relatively small numbers of malefactors engaged in specific acts of illegality and corruption. We still don't know who, if anyone, planned the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. Russiagate, by contrast, is a vast conspiracy involving innumerable powerful forces, including the Democrat Party, never Trump Republicans, the Obama administration, the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the nation's most prestigious news outlets. Where previous scandals often ended with public accountabilities for the perpetrators, Watergate saw the imprisonment of top White House aides and President Nixon's resignation and public reforms, Russiagate has produced no such reckoning russiagate began with a kernel of truth someone probably russians though we still don't know for sure hacked the democrat national committee and hillary clinton's private server fearful of what might oh, i thought it was seth rich isn't that why they killed him you're not supposed to say that anyway fearful of what might be released the clinton campaign tried to discredit any damaging material by raising dark questions about its source Joe Biden has executed the same strategy to great effect when he falsely described the evidence of corruption found on his son Hunter's laptop as Russian disinformation. In response, the Clinton campaign financed an absurd collection of conspiracy theories involving peeing prostitutes and billion-dollar bribes, the so-called Steele dossier. Its importance cannot be overstated. It was the dossier that linked the Trump campaign to the hacking. No dossier, no collusion theory. During the summer and fall of 2016, Hillary's henchmen fed this preposterous concoction to Obama administration officials in the DOJ, FBI, CIA, State Department. Everybody knew it was a political operation. Declassified notes show that then CIA Director John Brennan briefed President Obama, July 2016, that Hillary planned to tie Trump To Russia as a means of distracting the public from her use of a private email server. Clinton staffers, including Jake Sullivan, who now serves as Biden's national security advisor, tried to interest the mainstream press in its scurrilous accusations, but got little traction because they could not be verified. Instead of laughing it all off as a transparent campaign mudslinging, however, the FBI joined the conspiracy. Oh, yeah. The FBI took the extreme step of opening a counterintelligence probe into an ongoing presidential campaign, and its agents perjured themselves to obtain wiretapping warrants. Days after the November 2016 election, Hillary's campaign focused on Russian interference as a chief reason for her defeat. January 5th, 2017, President Obama, Vice President Biden and other key leaders met with FBI Director James Comey in the Oval Office to discuss Russia-related matters. We don't know what was discussed in that meeting, but the next day, FBI Director Jim Comey briefed President-elect Trump on some allegations of the Steele dossier. Four days later, January 10th, CNN used that briefing as a news book to report, pardon me, as a news hook to report the collusion conspiracy theories as high drama news. Over the next few months and years, current and former officials illegally fed misleading classified material and partisan anonymous quotes to the New York Times, Washington Post, NBC News, and other sympathetic press outlets to advance the narrative. CIA Director John Brennan and former National Director of Intelligence James Clapper became a constant presence on cable news using the top-secret authority of their previous positions to assure the public that collusion was real, although in sworn testimony, Clapper admitted he had not seen such evidence. Really? Congressional Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi and Representative Adam Schiff, who falsely claimed to have seen more than circumstantial evidence of Trump-Russia collusion, amplified the smears. The appointment of Special Counsel Robert Mueller... To investigate the fantasy in May 2017 fueled the fire. His effort became part of the scheme. He only looked for evidence that might implicate Trump, ignoring questions about who cooked up the conspiracy theory, how they disseminated it throughout the government and media and the laws they might have broken in the process. Despite his best effort, Mueller said he'd found no evidence of collusion when he released his report April 2019 that should have killed the conspiracy theory, and following the script of previous major scandals sparked a period of reflection by the government, the media, and the American people that asked, how do we get this so wrong? Such a broad reckoning has not yet happened. DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz's 2020 report detailing grave abuses and the fbi's handling of the matter prompted little outcry and no sweeping reform the recent indictments of clinton connected actors filed by special counsel john durham who's finally doing the work Mueller should have exposing the malfeasance that actually transpired during the 2016 campaign have bizarrely led pa- partisans to minimize his findings and actually double down on the debunked collusion narrative Recent pieces in the Atlantic magazine and New York Times, for example, suggest without evidence that Mueller never definitively got to the bottom of what happened. As Aaron Matei recently reported for Real Clear Investigations, many news organizations have refused to correct documented errors and Trump-Russia coverage, including deeply flawed articles that were awarded a Pulitzer Prize. A Pulitzer. Leading peddlers of the hoax, including Brennan, Clapper, Pelosi, Schiff, and Sullivan, have paid no price for their actions. To date, no one has conducted probing interviews with Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama about their roles in the scandal. Engineered by broad swaths of the government and media, the effort to paint a sitting president as a foreign agent alone makes Russiagate the worst scandal in American history. But it is this second still ongoing phase, this willful effort to deny what happened, this refusal to hold the perpetrators accountable, that presents the most serious danger to our nation. I mean, if truth and justice don't matter, what does? What does? That's J. Peter Zane over at the Real Clear Investigations. Real clear politics, while the Russiagate scandal outranks the rest. That's amazing. So, do you ever feel like um, they're hiding stuff from you? I mean, no, they are. One of the things that's being hid from you is the most, the best kept secret in American healthcare. That's what I call on a regular basis. I was having dinner with some friends last night and they said their daughter was over in Germany, I guess she's in the military, and uh, was having a lot of uh, health issues. She got her atlas adjusted and pretty much cleared everything away and they were they just thought that was remarkable. They were amazed because this kind of reminds them of what I've been talking about for years the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Let me explain it for you. You got migraines? You got neck pain, back pain, vertigo, sinus issues, allergy problems? Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror or look at a picture of yourself. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? The answer to any of these question is, yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my miga- migraines and neck pain. So what's the atlas? Okay, let me explain. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, the C1, which only weighs 2 ounces, so it's really easy for that atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain which tends to restrict your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, digestive system, and yes, even your circulatory system. It can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, sinus problems, allergies. Do yourself a favor, call my friends If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, it's just as easy. Go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on Find a Doctor to find one that is close to you. Turnmypoweron.com. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Okay, every day at about... uh, 12.06 Twelve oh six Eastern, one oh six. I'm sorry, two oh six Eastern, one oh six Central. Every day, uh, for some reason, the Podbean app turns off our live stream, and we don't know why. But they say, well, uh, um, you know, you got to get them get them to give you gifts or whatever. And, um, doesn't involve monetary anything. I don't know. I don't know how it all works, but every once in a while, you know, that's what they do. So we apologize for the inconvenience. If you're listening on the live stream, because when we download the, uh, the podcast, the whole thing is there. So, you know, so anybody listening to the live stream is like, hey, how come we got cut off? Well, in a little bit, it'll be up on docwashmarshow.com and and wherever you get podcasts, uh, Spotify, Alexa, Apple, you name it, it's there. All right, that having been said, I mean, I got a I couple more things we got to talk about before we get out of here. I don't want to leave anything uh, on the table, as it were. FDA says it now needs 75 years to fully release Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine data. That's what they're asking a judge for. See, they had previously had said 55 years. Now they ask for 75. FDA told the court it can work faster than his previously proposed 500 pages per month rate, but also said there are more than 59,000 more pages than mentioned in an earlier fi- filing. So, you know, here's the deal. You can't sue them if anything goes wrong. You can't even find out what the deal is. The information behind the trials, you know, how uh, it might have negatively affected people, and they don't want you to be able to find out. Maybe your grandchildren 75 years. But uh, we should trust them, right? We should trust Pfizer, sure. Sure. What well, do they have to pay a fine of like $2 billion 12 or 13 years ago to the feds for fraud, fraudulent marketing? But, of course, they'd never do that again. Never do that again, just so you know. All right, here's one. Now, um, establishment Republicans don't like this getting out. But Mitch McConnell once again bails out Chuck Schumer on debt limits and spending. Now, why do you think that is? Chris Jacobs, founder and CEO of the Juniper Research Book, pardon me, the Juniper Research Group and author of the book, The Case Against Single Payer, has the article over at Federalist.com. Just when Democrats and their agenda continues to flower, continues to flounder, along comes Mitch McConnell to give them another lifeline. Rather than using the mismanagement of the Senate by Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to extract concessions, McConnell gave two huge concessions to bail Schumer out of his self-inflicted wound. A bill introduced on Tuesday would allow for another increase in the debt limit and forestall expected Medicare reductions that are a sole result of Democrats' disastrous agenda. It's all part and parcel of the McConnell approach to lose as efficiently as possible. Expedited consideration of debt limit, eventual repeal of Medicare spending reductions— and keeping up appearances. You know, I don't want to go too far on a limb here. But uh, it looks intentional to me. Now, there's a woman I follow on Twitter who goes by Eliza Blue human trafficking survivor advocate. She said last, yesterday afternoon, I haven't said much, but I need to get this off my chest. The fact that Glenn Maxwell's lawyer has repeatedly said the anonymous survivor's names repeatedly in court is a threat and an intimidation tactic. This type of behavior was to warn other survivors that if they step forward, they will not be safe. I don't think folks fully understand what a deadly situation this is. No, because most folks are not following the Glenn Maxwell trial. Most folks are not following the Glenn Maxwell trial at all. And they know it. And they don't want you to. know what I'm saying? They don't want you to follow it. You know, you get the impression, again, they're going to sweep the whole thing under the rug and act like there's nobody else to prosecute. And if I may, if I may, if I may. The deal they made with Epstein back in 8 09, that he would have to go to jail for 13 months, but for 12 hours a day, he'd go to the office six days a week. Right? And um, part of the deal is they wouldn't prosecute anybody else. Right? Well that tells you they didn't want to prosecute anybody else, you know. They wanted to They wanted let everybody else go. Now why do you think that is? Why do you think the names in this little black book are redacted? Why do you think that is? Because um, I believe there are a lot of names on there that are much too well-known, much too powerful. And they just can't allow the, uh, the truth to come to light. They just can't allow it. They cannot allow it. They cannot abide by it. Just no way. Hope I'm wrong. I hope somebody else is held accountable. But uh, don't count on it. Don't count on it. All right, what's this? Uh, Jack Posobiec, over human events, this dropped 11 minutes ago, new documents found in Waukesha massacre case, district attorney claims human error. Okay, wait, what?
5: Seriously? Let's see what uh, Brother Jack has to say here. New documents and new charges have come down in this case. Take a listen to the local DA.
2: The state has uncovered some intimidation that took place while the defendant was in jail at the Milwaukee County Jail with regards to the underlying domestic violence case. November 2nd, prosecutors say Brooks ran over his longtime girlfriend of 16 years only, identified by her initials, with the same SUV in the parade. Between November 5th and 15th, while in jail, and despite a no-contact order from the court, the two spoke on recorded calls several times. During the calls, Brooks threatened her, once saying, quote, you acting like you got so much protection, like you safe, you on my turf, remember that.
5: This DA should be ashamed of himself. He should have resigned two days ago. He either should have resigned a month ago. And by the way, he should also be arrested. I do not understand how it is that the Wisconsin attorney general has not filed charges on this DA yet. It should have been done and it should have been done within the first minute of him saying, oh, it was an accident. We're so sorry that the person was only given a $1,000 bail. Listen to the probable cause statement because here at Human Events Daily, we have uncovered the actual documents from that original case. Remember, he was locked up and then he was to let go on a $1,000 bail. His mom paid it for him. According to the criminal complaint in Milwaukee, in a Milwaukee case on November 2nd, 2021, the defendant got into an argument with his ex girlfriend, during which the defendant punched her in the face. After punching her in the face, the defendant got into, and I, I'm reading directly from the documents, got into a red Ford escape, a red Ford escape, and drove away. As she was walking to a nearby BP gas station, the defendant returned and struck her with the red Ford Escape running her over. As a result of the defendant's actions, his ex-girlfriend suffered a dislocated left femur and a fractured right ankle. As we know, gas stations all have security cameras, security footage. We know she was run over. And they let him out of jail for this. They let him out of jail so he could go and conduct another SUV attack, allegedly. Again, all of this is on video. Arrest every single DA in the country who is doing stuff like this.
0: All right, that's Jack Posobiec over Human Events. New t- details on a story that the uh, mainstream media is trying their level best to cover up. Reminds me what uh, the great David Burge said many years ago on Twitter. That general journalism, journalism in America, is the act of covering a story with a pillow until it stops breathing. A lot of times it seems like that, doesn't it? It. Uh, it often seems like that. You cover the story with a pillow until it stops breathing. That's journalism in a in America. I right, now I gotta I don't know, maybe I should leave this the show with this tomorrow. Got a remarkable argument here. A government whistleblower lets the mask slip. Masks were a softening up exercise for plan B. Yeah, I probably should lead with that tomorrow because at this point, the live stream people are no longer longer hearing us. I mean, you know, you've downloaded the podcast or whatever, you can hear this, but um, I want everybody to hear it. So we'll, uh, we'll do that tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll try to lead off with that tomorrow. You know, every day. Every day. There's a whole lot. A whole lot to talk about. Oh, I don't know if you heard about this. Remember the name Gage Grosskreutz? star witness for uh, the prosecution of the Kyle Rittenhouse case, who admitted that Kyle didn't shoot him until he pointed his gun at Kyle. He's been arrested for DWI. What a shock. He goes, Gage, we hardly knew you. Most of us thought that he's a fine, upstanding member of the community, right? Right? Now, before I get out of here, I want to say – this Saul Omarova woman who, uh, who grew up in the Soviet Union, and Biden picked her, well, Biden didn't pick her. Whoever, whoever's handling Biden picked her for a key banking regulator job. She used to be the comptroller of the currency, but the problem is she's a communist. And so several Democrats even turned against her. And since you got 50 50, Democrat and Republican in the Senate, they had to withdraw her nomination. So she looks Chinese. Of course, a lot of liberals out there saying, Well, you're you're racist. You you didn't want her. You don't want her because she you're racist. I want to take you back a few weeks to US Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina. Uh, and his inter- interrogation of her because it was uh,
6: it was remarkable, and it went something like this. Not a single Republican on this committee has mentioned anything other than your position related to your nomination. I, I keep hearing my friends on the other side refer to personal attacks. One thing I can say and it can be very proud of on this committee from these Republicans: not a single person has talked about anything other than your stated positions as it relates to this nomination. So any suggestions otherwise is simply hogwash. I want to be fair, and I will be fair. I won't be hyperbolic, but I will be frank and and honest. I cannot think of a nominee more poorly suited to be the comptroller of the currency based solely on your public positions, statements, and the weight of your writings than you are. Let me just quote you versus anybody else. On the Green New Deal Champion, you propose taking economic and climate policymaking from Congress and creating an unaccountable bureaucracy called the National Investment Authority. In a roundtable this year, this year, you push to make the NIA the dedicated institutional platform at the federal level or really being the kind of fighting muscle of the Green New Deal and fighting muscle of, you know, all of these other movements that pursuing environmental justice, social, economic justice, equality, and so on. Your disdain for the financial services industry. In 2019, in a documentary titled, I'll, I'll be kind, Buttholes, A Theory, you said the financial services industry, in my view, and I don't think I'm alone here, is a quintessential butthole industry. Killing American Energy. In Jane Family Institute seminar in March of this year, you proposed bankrupting the coal and oil and gas industries, saying we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle the climate change. That's really hard to misunderstand, on nationalizing banking last year, i.e. 2020, not 10 years ago, not 20 years ago, just last year, paper you titled, The People's Ledger, How to Democratize Money and Finance the Economy. You proposed reforms to, and I quote, effectively end banking as we know it by nationalizing quote you had was effectively ending banking as we know it. How? By nationalizing retail banking. As it relates to the end of private banking. Your words, no one else's. This year, not five years ago, not ten years ago, not twenty years ago, this year you said, you proposed to imagine what it would be like if instead of a just a public option for deposit banking, just instead of just a public option for deposit banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words, there would be no more private bank deposit accounts and all of the deposit accounts would be held directly at the Fed. I want to say that one more time because this is what really, among all the other comments, it's quite disturbing this is not a position that you took years ago this is something that you spoke to this year and i quote imagine what it would be like if instead of just a public option for deposit banking this would be actually the full transition in other words there would be no more private bank deposit accounts. And all of the deposit accounts will be held directly at the Fed. I don't have any questions for you. Because there's nothing you can say today to undo what you've said for years, including this year.
0: That's U.S. Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina, to Biden's control of the currency nominee, Saul Omarova, who's just pulled out a consideration for the position. But the liberals are saying that uh, Republicans were racist. That's why they couldn't support her. They were racist. They'll lie. They'll lie no matter what. All right, now, uh, that having been said, we really appreciate everybody who, uh, who listens to us, whether on the live stream of the Podbean app or whether it downloads the, uh, the podcast. And we would like to keep on doing this. So if you want to support us financially, it's not hard to do. Just go to DocWashburnShow.com and where it says up at the top, Become a Patron. Uh, click the tab and uh, contribute what you you think you, you can and you should. And we appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to do this every day. Uh, God closed one door and he opened another. And I really appreciate it. All right, you've been listening to episode 42 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production portions of today's program will be taken overseas and dropped if you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new doc Watchman show simply peel the roof off a rolls royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's computer solutions seventh floor of the ephemeral b smoot building Whitehall, arkansas in care of sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th Man, that's the way it is thursday december 9th 2021